Welcome to Travolting. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Recapping the past 20 episodes of First Era of Travolta. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, hello, hello. You folks have a special episode this week. We're not yeah. covering any specific movie, but as we had promised last week in the Look Who's Talking Now episode, um, we've reached the end of an era of Travolta, the beginnings era, as we're calling it. The beginnings era. Yeah, the first 20 movies, the first uh, nearly 20 years. 20 out of... 20 out of um, 67 movies we will 67 be covering. 67 movies. Yes. Yeah. And I... I'm doing the math in my head. 45-year career so far. Yeah. And so we've covered the first 18 years. We've covered the first 18 years at this point. With Devil's Reign. With, starting with The Devil's Reign, ending with Look Who's Talking Now. Yeah. The Beginnings or Rise Era, um, whatever you want to call it. You, would you really call it the Rise Era? Like I said last week, in a large graph form, this is, even though like half of it is like a collapse... It is still the rise to Pulp Fiction, to his, like, A-list stardom. Yeah. To him becoming, like, one of the biggest act, like, his renaissance. It's a rise to his renaissance. Yeah, it's just, it's it's hard for me because, like, I consider, like, the true beginning. Because, yeah, you always have a few movies yeah. you start off with here and there, but you always have, like, one that's considered your beginning. Yeah. And that's none other than Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. Like, you, you see, yeah, you might say, well, Devil's Reign, Carrie, Boy in the Plastic Bubble. First off, Devil's Reign is an extra. Mm-hmm. Carrie's supporting actor. Boy in the Plastic Bubble is a small TV movie he did when he was 18. 17. And, like, 18. logically, if I, we were to break this down in the most intense way, there would be five errors of Travolta. Yes. Yes. I am not, I don't want us to have a five-act podcast. I think we're fine with a three-act. Okay. So we're condensing two uh, two of them into another era. Yeah, but you have that immediate uh, blowout, you might say, yes. with Saturday Night Fever, Grease, we can do a moment by moment in between, but then you have Urban, Urban Cowboy, Cowboy blowout. blowout. So that's Great like movies. the four, like, you know, again, moment by moment, almost impossible to yes. find. So if you just like remove that... His first four movies are good movies. Yes. A discount. Uh, I mean, he started Carrie, even. It's sporting actor. I like, Again, I'm thinking yeah. like oh, his lead, official, lead. official start. Yes. Is Saturday Night Fever. Yes. And so, like, I, if you consider he, that, and if you also make the concession that Moment by Moment is barely a movie because mm-hmm. it's so hard to find and, like, you know, they, they wiped yeah. it off the face of the map. Which, he kind of has an unimpeachable run for like five years. Yeah, at exactly. the beginning of this era, and, and, and we had a lot of fun talking about that. Right, we did. Um, and he just—he's someone who really just—he didn't have a slow rise. Like he wasn't your, um, like your Tom Hanks, who like works a lot in comedy before popping off with like you know forrest gumps and philadelphia's and whatnot i have a question for you jeff because i i thought i saw this as like more like us just recapping for the audience but also as a dialogue between the two of us as well do you think that was good for him or bad for him should he should he have started off with more flops than he did and then gotten to like a saturday fever later i don't necessarily know if i would say flops but his big like he 
there was nowhere to go but down from where he was. Like, he didn't have a base to build himself off of. Like, even though he was Vinny Barbarino on Welcome Back Hotter, a show we will never cover. <laughs> Fuck you if you think we will. Um, which, you know, provided him with a lot of stardom. In terms of being a movie star, capital M. Well, it's kind of like Robin Williams in a way. Yeah. Robin Williams started with Mork and Mindy. Mork and Mindy. And then got into like like Good Morning Vietnam and like mm. some other films in between there, and then had like a great, um, the, like good Oscar with Goodwill Hunting. The, the difference is Robin Williams had a lot of tarmac. Yes, he had a lot of time to get that plane off the ground. He did. Yeah. Travolta was in Welcome Back, Cotter. Yep, which was a TV show. And then when they're like, okay, Hollywood in its wisdom decided this guy's a movie star. We're gonna make him a movie star. Right. And rather than you know provide that kind of path that a lot of the great actors had who endured in the culture mm-hmm. you know your harrison fords your tom hanks the people who have lasted for longer than like five to ten years they almost always started with a lot of stuff to kind of get their name known to prove their bona fides or bona fides i don't know how to, i don't is know it how fides? To say, i actually don't know how bona to say f- it either <laughs> yeah the bona fide uh bona fides to prove their talent, prove their skill, establish themselves as a real like actor mm-hmm. before they became superstars, like you know, even for their though, official star movie, yeah, like like for Harrison Ford, he did stuff before. Star yeah, like Wars he's popping Indiana up in Jones. American Graffiti. He's yeah. like a, a lot of these movies aren't great. They aren't things that like really exist. Oh, they're great, but they're not like they're not the liftoff film. Yeah, they're movies that establish him as a real actor. Yeah. Um, kind of get him into the public consciousness, but not in a big way. And yeah. then, you know, Star Wars and Indiana Jones, he pops off. I just thought of something like, yeah. you know, rearrange the order of this for John Trill a yeah. little bit. What if Blowout came before Saturday Night Fever? Still objectively good movie, yes. right? Objectively good movie, but not a movie that was seen as a major hit. Mm-hmm. He goes from that to Grease. Yeah. Then Saturday Night Fever. That would have definitely been a, an awesome rejigger. Right? I think he even needs more movies coming out. He needs... What he needs is more supporting roles. Yeah. He, he goes needs, right into leads. Because he goes... He does Devil's Writing Carry, and then he's leads up until Boris and Natasha. Fuck, really? Yeah. I'm looking at the list, all and you're of this right. Is, all of this is supporting his lead role. Wow. He needs something like... We had talked about with like a Tom Hanks or a Harrison Ford, or... You know, I'm trying to think of that, other, I'm trying to think of other actors who are not just Tom Hanks and Harrison. That Ford, had but. to be on him, don't you? Th- he had to get an offers to do some supporting stuff, but right? Don't you think? It, maybe it, it, the '70s were a different Hollywood. Yeah. So you can it can almost and you can't blame him for just like being offered all these lead roles and taking them. Well, okay, but here's the thing. Yeah. Was he like? Imagine how many movies are between. Uh, staying alive and pulp fiction mm-hmm. like I, yeah. I, how many like it's staying alive and pulp fiction that's like what uh 12 12 okay so he wasn't just offered 12 movies in that how how what how many years is that blowout was 1980 oh, you're saying you're saying in this era uh, yeah i'm saying yeah. this era between 1980 blowout and 1994 pulp, pulp fiction. fiction in that 14 years he wasn't just offered 12 movies. Oh, yeah, he, he was offered them. more. He was offered probably 50 movies, mm-hmm. but maybe 18 were leads yeah. and 32 were supporting. Yeah. And my, 
problem, my beef, yes. my contention, you is might say. Is that he was so stuck in the idea of himself being a lead actor. Right. And I agree with that, yes. Yeah. Stuff like, he should have start. you know what I realized is a great parallel to him in the modern culture? Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence was on a TV show that like no one watched, the Bill Engvall show. Oh, no, um, which I, is yeah. less existent than Welcome Back, Cotter. You're right. And then she pops off with a successful indie movie. That's Winter's the Bone. yeah, right. Winter's uh, Bone. She gets nominated for an Oscar, and then it's just star role, star role, star role, star role. The only supporting role she's really doing is um, the X Men movies, which she did not want to be in. Right. Um, she's tracked on the engine, American Hustle, maybe. But you know. She just launched so quickly. It's tough calling those supporting roles. Yeah. She launched so... Like, even X-Men Days of Future Past, like, forces her into a lead role because yeah. of her fame. Right. But um, she's launched so quickly from obscurity to A-list, like, first billing. She doesn't have that, like, groundwork, that, like, track that she rides up it. It's just a quick jump. And now look at jennifer lawrence's careers you know after she had like two flops red sparrow and mother which she is good in both of those i like those movies yeah she's not the issue in any of those films it just kills her career same with travolta though i mean when all the movies yeah. we watched he was the problem in moment by moment yeah like that was him no it's just that a movie starring him but... blew up and hollywood decided this guy isn't he's not yeah he's not well he's also kind of the issue in the experts but he had nothing to neither him nor jennifer lawrence after their movies exploded they had only ever proven themselves as an a-list star now that they're not making money as an a-list star hollywood has no like quantifiable fallback for them hmm. it's like oh these people aren't doing the thing they do so I what, guess, what yeah. do we do with them? We I don't know what to do with them. We don't put them in a franchise. Whereas if they're an actor who had had that, like, you know, um, tarmac to kind of lift off slowly from, Hugbeck, okay, they're not working as an ALS star anymore. They can go back but to... But they've proven themselves as, as a, a support. solid supporting role. Yeah, right. Those, and they give them those roles. That's a very good point. Very good point. Like, do you think... Could there have been any other TV offers for him in the 80s and uh, maybe early 90s that he could have maybe maybe he was offered and decided mm -hmm. not to do? Like, again, I, I make that prior yeah. example of like between Blowout and Pulp Fiction, he was probably given like 30, yeah. 40 sporting roles and maybe might have turned him down because like, no, I'm a lead. Mm -hmm. Same scenario, same example, but replace with the movie roles lead supporting with just yeah. movies and versus tv and were there options for him of going yeah. back into the tv world and i don't blame him especially in the 80s for not wanting to go back to tv because that was kind of saw as yeah, TV if you go back to tv as prestige as it is now well it was the image right because i think it's different now with yeah. tv but especially back it, in the 80s 90s and early 2000s if you were an actor who went from movies to tv that, that was that bad. meant you were on the decline yeah Whereas now it's like if you jump from T if you jump from TV news it was like a privilege that Hollywood was extending this to you you yeah. were being welcomed into the elite yeah with TV with yeah. movies to TV that yeah. is yeah yeah um, whereas um, nowadays it's a lot more of an open flow between them uh, everything is content you will consume uh, <laughs> well well now it's more so like TVs are given like the movie budgets the mid level movie budgets that we don't have anymore. Yeah. Now it's like micro-budget indies or gigantic-budget yeah. blockbuster franchises, whereas 
what, there's not really any room for those mid-level the movie ten, budgets. The 10 to $100 million movies yeah, don't those, exist anymore. Those are TV episodes now. Yeah, it's TV. So that's the difference in today's world. But back then, it was like if you went from like, you know, the mid-level tier... Um, which is, I think was majority of what was, he wasn't in like a, yeah. what's out of the movies we've covered. And uh, this is hard to ask for you to know, but like, which of those movies was the biggest budget? I want to know what the big, biggest budget he worked with. I would almost certainly say it was staying alive or blowout or maybe, yeah, I would say it's one of those two. And, but would the, would those movies is those being his largest, uh, um, movies, um, like I, I i just wonder um were those considered big budget movies at the time when they were made at, i think at the time these movies were not like mega budget yeah they were of they were in that middle ground that we talk about that doesn't exist anymore because this is the 80s so like compare yeah. uh compare blowout to i don't know the terminator yeah or alien mm-hmm does it match? Is it lower? Is it higher? I mean, like, I can check. Um, Alien was shot for $11 million. Blowout was shot for $18 million. So it's a, so it's it, bigger. So, so yes, John Travolta has, we can say, like, he was in um, big budget movies. Yes. Um, but for the... Staying m- Live was $22 million. So, but the realm that he mostly lived in in his early career, Saturday Night Fever in Greece, those are probably like mid-budget movies, mid-budget level movies. So, and he, um, and I'm sure had after Blowout and Staying Alive, we talked about how we retreated a, a lot into like familiar things. Yeah, if he had rejiggered himself and been like, okay, and seen the writing on the wall that this a-list thing because i don't want to say the guy's not a movie star he is a movie star he's usually he has, not the problem he has the charisma of a movie star he has the looks of a movie star yeah and like and, i said he's usually not the problem but if he had rejiggered himself and said okay the a-list thing isn't working out right now i gotta go back to my i gotta put my pull my bootstraps up go back to what i know and just try and retool myself as like a character actor, supporting player in the eighties. I'm sure he could have popped up in some really successful stuff. Yeah, but he kept trying to like save the sinking ship of his A-list stardom, and yeah. it just kept on bringing him further down. Well, it's like in, in 1980, a blowout. What would have been a supporting franchise role that he could have landed? Because he's obviously not going to play John Connor in the Terminator. Yeah. He's not going to play Kyle Reese or the Terminator Arnold Schwarzenegger's role. I'm just thinking of blockbusters in the 80s right I now. I think, like, as an example, I think he could have been, like, a Kyle Reese type in a Terminator movie. He's not the lead. And, like, I don't want to just pigeonhole him into franchisey stuff, but... but I'm saying, like, it, yeah. you take a step back from A-list lead to franchise supporting. Yeah. Like, franchise supporting or even just, like, mild-budget movie supporting. Like, he could have played, for an example, like, the supporting teacher role in a movie, which he does try and shout, but he makes it his movie. Right. Um, like there's, there were so many movies that he could have wedged into and found his place in a non-lead role. Yeah. That instead he just is like, I want to be the lead actor. And Hollywood is saying, this guy is a lead actor. 
I'm looking up uh, best picture winners in the 80s, and I'm yeah. trying to remember their supporting roles and seeing, like, that could have been one John Travolta yes. had taken. So that's what I'm looking up like, right There now. were plenty of directors who I'm sure could have really, like, made Travolta's 80s sing. Uh, he just was, like I said, stuck to the sinking ship of his stardom. What if he was in Platoon? Yeah, like a Platoon or but something. But not as, like, uh, not the Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Or not... And and here's or, the here's the thing that's interesting about Travolta. Yeah. His 90s and early 2000s are what his 80s should have been. He learns yeah. his lesson. He's like he does a lot of A-list movies in those times, but he's willing to take the supporting part. That's a very good point. That's a very very good point. And that's if he had he kind of like get I don't want to say he gets his ego in check because he does like achieve higher levels than ever before. But he gets willing to, like, leave that at the door and find the way he can best service the story being told. Instead of the story being about him, he's servicing the story. And that's what he needed to learn, and he didn't learn in the 80s. That's a long lesson to learn. Yes. Ten years it takes you to learn that lesson. Yes. Twelve years, really. And it, and it was just the way that Hollywood's, like, and even Scientology's, like, ego-building structure like it builds you up so high even those movies that he's in like saturday night fever greece it's all about being on the top of the world yeah and staying alive he's literally stealing the lead role yes and it's hard for a guy to go from that to like taking a step back and retooling himself as someone who's there to serve the story yeah damn you know he does learn the lesson we're gonna get into that uh, but he's going to lose sight of the lesson again at the end of this next era. Yeah. Because, um, and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much with all mm-hmm. the different eras, but once he loses sight of that lesson again, to our knowledge, he really hasn't... He hasn't gotten it back yet. He really hasn't. To this day, he really hasn't gotten that he's, back yet. He's still working in the realm of Alus. He's trying to still be in the realm of Alus stardom instead of supporting player and so like <sighs> what do you think it is now i know maybe we should yeah we'll, talk about well that. let's not talk too much about now yeah we, we want to still focus on the 80s and that it gives us hope though right that if he could learn this lesson yes, now once, once i'm waiting for the i'm waiting for some great director to really get to get a john travolta comeback vehicle because i think it can happen we're gonna we'll we'll talk about it when we get to these movies later. There's some new and upcoming directors who I would like yes, from who the, I'd like to see work from with the them. two three movies two three good movies they made so far. Like I would love to see what they would yeah. do with John Travolta, a, a willing John Travolta mm-hmm. who would jump into a role like he would in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, like as an example in modern day, two actors who like I feel like had kind of lost a lot of their luster in the early 2010s, uh, Harrison Ford and Al Pacino are kind of two guys who everyone's like, they're on an unimpeachable legend. We will never take that away. They're not putting out their best work right now. Um, they've kind of lost sight of, they're kind of just there for the paycheck almost. Yeah. But I think Harrison Ford's put some of the best work of his career in the last few years. I think between the force awakens where he's working with a director who knows how to work with actors for all his faults. JJ Abrams is great with actors. Mm-hmm. Um, Really got 
an enlivened performance out of him in The Force Awakens. In Blade Runner 2049, he's astonishingly good. Yeah. Blade Runner 2049 is the kicker for me. Yeah, or... Because you could say Force Awakens was a cash grab. Blade Runner 2049 is sequel made to... Made like no money. Made like no money. Yeah. And so... He's uh, astonishingly good in it. And to that point, I think, you know, when you watch Star Wars, it's like, oh, of course, like, he would go back to Star Wars and Harrison... But he doesn't like... He never Solo. liked Star Wars. He never did, and so... And the fact that he's giving such, like... And his performance in that is just, like, really enlivened. He seems really alive in it. It's something you hadn't seen for a while from... It, and it did... It, it couldn't have... It could have easily not have been. Yes. Could have easily not. It could have been a very shoehorn on Solo. Crap. And it would have been very destructive to yeah. like the character that we knew. But the Blade Runner one, I especially. Because yeah. it's like when he did. And he didn't like Blade Runner. <laughs> he didn't like Blade Runner either. Like, But he really does a good yeah. job in 2049. There's a direct, he's working with a director who's passionate about the material. Gets him passionate about the material. And that's Denis Villeneuve, who had before yeah. Blade Runner 2049, had done, like, the Arrival. Prisoners, Arrival. Like, he's... Denis yeah. Villeneuve's still kind of, yeah. like... I don't want to start a podcast. I don't want to start a podcast. I sometime want to maybe want to start a podcast, Denis Villeneuve. But, like, this is a guy who had started making more thriller psychological yeah. stuff, who had slowly eased his way to where now he's thought of as a sci-fi director. Yes. It's interesting to yes. me. But... So in the Blade 40, 2049, that's like his first like he's he's given he's giving a small real performance in that movie, but a small franchise, but a franchise nonetheless, because like Arrival, big budget, mm -hmm. not a franchise. And you know what the key to both of those Harrison Ford performances, besides having a director who's really great or great with them? Yeah, is that both of those movies, he's a supporting player and he's willing to be the supporting player. Yeah. Amen. He doesn't pop up for 45 minutes in The Force Awakens. He, spoiler alert, lets himself die at the end. He gets stabbed through the chest and thrown off a cliff. Um, <laughs> well, there are people who thought that he wanted that to happen. Yeah, he goes, I want to die. I, like, um, kill my character so, my wife. I, so I can't. <laughs> thanks. Uh, kill my character so I can't come back. Yes. But then when he comes back and rides Skywalker in that short little cameo, yeah. that, that feels different. That doesn't feel like a... Oh, I have to come back yeah. as a ghost flashback. It almost seemed like, no, like this seems like right for the moment. Yes. As much as I hate episode nine. Yeah, important newsflash, we we aren't big on the Rise of Skywalker. But but no offense to anyone. But that moment with Kylo Ren and it's Harrison a, it's Ford, a tender scene. It's I a like tender scene. It. It's a pretty good yeah. moment. To to jump to my other example, because I don't want to make this the Ford cast, though I'd love to do that <laughs> one day. Um Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Very like he literally said like I enjoyed doing bad movies and then just giving it a little bit more life, which is fine. But <laughs> that is fine. That's honestly fine. Guy for like thirty years is just kind of working in the dregs. Um, Dunkachino. Um, Martin Scorsese comes in, gives him Jimmy Hoffa and the Irishman, gets such energy and life out of a guy who most people have written off. Yeah. Al Pacino is amazing in that movie. Mm -hmm. One of the best performances I've seen in recent years. And he's astonishing. And it just goes to show that the right director working with the right person can bring someone you'd counted out back into the fold. It's what's yeah. going to happen next week when we talked about Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Everyone had written Travolta off. Quentin Tarantino sees the promise in those early movies. I, I just wonder, do you think there was ever a conversation with Travolta and tarantino of like not only is he a supporting character but he's a supporting 
timeline in that movie. Mm-hmm. Cause the timeline, it's not, it's, I mean, everyone talks about Pulp Fiction with yeah. like the non-continuous narrative, but Travolta is credited as the lead of that movie. But in terms of the actual structure of the plot, um, it's, it's, a it's very, an, it's an ensemble. It's an ensemble piece. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and it's not solely focused on his timeline. Yes, it's there are there are chunks of the movie we shares, never see. Travolta. He shares lead with Bruce Willis, even though Travolta is probably the most recurring between them. I would not say there's a lead of that movie. Yeah, there's a bunch of characters, and we're following their stories. Right. And so I think you know Tarantino has the knowledge, and Travolta is convinced by Tarantino's enthusiasm, much like you know Ford is with Abrams or Villeneuve, or Pacino is with Scorsese. He's convinced by that enthusiasm, and he's a great director. Brings him back into the fold of Hollywood, shows them what he can do. That that renaissance, though, pretty short lived. We'll get to it. It's not as short lived as you may think, but it isn't necessarily a long term renaissance. Right. But we'll we'll the next era we'll be getting into is. Travolta's A-list stardom and Travolta's renaissance. What's, uh, what, what are we calling the era after that? The final one? Yeah. Um, TBD. <laughs> I still got TBD. Yeah. Um, that era being... Uh, I would probably... Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3 and onward. Yeah. Onward. Um, that's... We'll, we'll decide on a name for that when we get to it. Okay. But the next era will be, you know, A-list star. Hmm. In this first era, we're calling the beginnings. Yeah, beginnings era. It's 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 a rough naming, but it works for the, yeah. the structure. Um, now, before we go, yeah. Um, what it, do we want to discuss? Our favorite movies from this. I mean, I we just blow about. Blow out I was our, just about to say the same yeah. thing. As blow I, was out, about, I think is both of our favorites. I was about to ask you, but then my internal thought was, well, we're both going to say blow yeah. out. Blowout. Blowout. Blowouts are both of our favorites. Blowouts both of our favorites. What um Who's your least favorite. Well, okay. There are two more. Least favorite and then underrated. Ooh, yes. So least favorite. Boris and Natasha. My uh, well, well hold on. Go up. Boris and Natasha, it doesn't exist to me. Yeah. Like it's not a John Travolta movie. Yes. It's a cameo. So I'm not even gonna count that. What is my let's scroll up a little bit. You got, you're missing the devil's reign carry um okay so we're looking at the whole roster here folks that's what we're looking at um so i'm not even gonna count boris and natasha because like it's barely a fucking john travolta movie mm. I, 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 this is a notes thing this is yeah. the thing i can look on my notes and honestly just be able to tell um because like the devil's reign no it's got william it's barely a john travolta movie it's got william shatner it gives us some interesting <laughs> things I mean, Carrie's good. Boy in the Plastic Bubble is pretty tough. Um, looking at moment by moments. See, moment by moment feels like the easy one. It's e- It would be easy to say moment by moment. Um, Urban Cowboy's got the beard. Blowout. Just bear with me, folks, as I scroll through this. Uh, See, like, every little issue with these movies, there's one thing I can find that I enjoy. But I say the two lowest bits, there are two. That would be the experts in Moment by Moment. Mm -hmm. The experts um, doesn't really carry anything for me. Um, 
I'm gonna look back at my notes on the experts. I just want to know, remember what I wrote down. Experts was kind of fun though. For you. <laughs> Did I? I wrote notes on the experts, right? It's perfect. Basements. Uh, no, the experts is right after basement. Perfect. Did that I write? Giving me anxiety. The experts is the one we recorded remote. That's right. I did not. I did not uh, take notes on the experts. So I barely remember it. I'm gonna say, if I had to like, in a knee jerk reaction, pick my least favorite one. Be moment by moment. My least favorite would be change the gold. Um, really, I think it's a little worse than moment by moment. Moment by moment, at least has some funniness in that his name is Strip. Uh, change the gold. Strip. Absolutely nothing um, happens. Um, it's such a good. Nothing happened. Such in our an annoying movie. And then our recording made me so angry um so yeah change of gold is my least favorite moment by moment it's my least favorite favorite. what do you think the most underrated is um hmm this would specifically be of the 80s movies that are bad i was i would say um it's between staying alive and perfect Perfect had some moments for yeah, me. Yeah, I would give it to per. I would give it to Boris and Natasha. Fuck Boris you. and Natasha is a great movie. Um, Stop! Shut the I, fuck up. I did actually enjoy Boris and Natasha, but no, I would say Perfect. Yeah, I would say Perfect too, because only because Jamie Lee Curtis and John Travolta yeah. do have some good chemistry. Perfect is a flawed movie, yeah. but a gen a one I'm genuinely interested. It doesn't by. know what movie it is, but but one of those movies is pretty. But good. one of those movies is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Staying Alive is just like the parallels with yeah. with his career are too perfect. Yes, and as, Stallone. As bad of a movie as it is, the parallels with Stallone's career and John Travolta's career, and he's doing a sequel to Saturday Night Fever to save his failing career. And it, it blows up even more. And it blows up even more. Like honestly, it is a fascinating. Movie. It is. It is such a fascinating movie to watch. I love it for that reason. Mm. Like. The, Hell yeah. I don't love it. It's a bad movie, but there's so many like interesting yeah. bits about staying alive. But perfect, I would say, is the most underrated. Um, I would agree. Uh, another thing, though, uh, favorite episode. Ooh, favorite episode we've done, we've done so far. Hmm. I mean, in terms of just pure quality discussion mm-hmm. of the movie, it's hard to be blowout. It's hard to be blowout. Mark, well, Mark Tilly shout out. Yeah, Mark Tilly shout out. He he really just showed up and was right shoot straight fire. Yeah. Um, I think that's our most our best episode in regards to discussion of the movie. Um, there's a lot to talk about. That's just a fascinating movie. Yeah. In terms of what I think our most entertaining episode is, mm-hmm. might be look who's talking. That's oh, with Mary Grace. Yeah. When she dropped the Scientology bomb, and you died. Yeah, she did uh, drop the Scientology bomb and killed me. But you know, Grease, our guest episodes are the ones that I I think are the most raw, like rawly entertaining, just because that energy like yeah breaks up our dynamic. Because you and I like sometimes we get broken by some of these movies yes. a little too quickly. Whereas somebody comes on and be like, no wait, you didn't think about yeah. this. Whether it's Kathy bringing like her energy um, from having seen Grease in the OG showing, in the theater, yeah, in the theater. Uh, Matt brought some like knowledge to carry. Yeah. Having some interest of it. Mark and Blowout, Mary Grace and Look Who's Talking. Just a huge shout out to all our guests who have come yes. on so far. We have some more, f- we have a lot of fun ones coming up. We want more people on, even the movies that folks haven't seen. Yes. We would just love to have more guests because I feel like it does bring a lot more yeah. energy. And we'll, we ha- we'll have a lot. Yeah. We'll definitely have a lot. Coming up. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts on this era before we wrap this episode up? Just that um, 
the tenure's like little bit in the 80s was hard to get through but i'm i'm glad we got through it i i found a lot more interesting bits about john travolta than i was initially yeah. anticipating when we started this podcast with like particularly with the rise and fall how he is instant climb to fame followed by his shattered long strut of like bad 80s movies and um but then going into his slow but sure rise um which starts strong with Pulp Fiction, but, you know, has a small climb after that. There's a lot of interesting... I'm very fascinated to see where Travolta goes from here, yeah. and it's just, like, watching these movies, I can't help but feel like I'm on a journey with yes. this guy. We are on a journey his, with this guy, and that's... In his career. Yeah. Yeah. How about yourself, Jeff? Pretty much what you just said. You know, it really... This is such an... I've never done this before with an actor. I've done it with directors, but mm-hmm. to feel like we're on a journey with this guy trying to figure his career out... Yeah. And become the actor we know he can be is just it's a magical experience and I'm glad you're here to do it with me. I'm glad you're here to do it. We'll be in the future. And just to point out that it's funny that we started this podcast when we were two unemployed filmmakers. And now we have now we're way too busy. And now Jeff, you are staffing on a TV series. As are you. I'm staffing on a TV series and but you know what, folks? We we're, will do our best to keep the show as consistent we're as possible. We're going to do our best to keep it as consistent and try to keep them punching out. And all we ask in return is a rate, review, like, and Rate, sub- review, subscribe. <laughs> Remember the platforms we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Please follow us at Travolting Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Me on Instagram at StuartLMR95. And as always, special thanks to Michael Van Bogum Smith for the theme music that's taking you out. And Rebecca Johnson for our graphic Rebecca. design. Rebecca. Have a great week, everyone. See you with Pulp Fiction next week. Next week. Bye. Bye.